Our scripture lesson this morning is found in the book of Luke's. The book of Luke. Chapter 22, verses 14 through 20. Hear the word of the Lord. When hour came, he took his place at the table and the apostles with him. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and divide among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took a loaf of bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same with the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup that is poured out for you, and the new covenant is my blood. But see, the one who betrays me, and his hand is on the table, for the Son of Man going as it is being determined, but woe to the one by whom he is betrayed. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of our mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For Lord, you are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, this morning, we continue our series on the windows of faith, where we have studied and allowed our stained glass windows to teach us, to tell us stories of our faith. And this morning, I have an opportunity to uh, teach on the chalice window, which was given by Mr. and Mrs. Lee Myers, who were faithful members in the 1930s. I want us to take this time to reflect on a story. A story that the chalice sitting in the window pane allows us to reflect on the pains and the stains that Christ had. The story of the Last Supper. Now this story, it began on a Sunday. Jesus had arrived in Jerusalem, and he had walked in, he walked with his disciples 75 miles from the region of Galilee to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And on that first day, 
Jesus entered into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And some of his followers laid down clothing and a multitude of people held him shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest, which is translated, which translated says, save us now, Jesus. Deliver us, is what they were saying. Now that's how Jesus' week began. And and the scripture tells us that Jesus looked around the city. And as evening approached, he went back to the Mount of Olives, to the town of Bethany, where he stayed the night. And on the second day, that Monday, he made his way to the temple. He went to the outer courtyards of the temple where the Gentiles of all nations would pray. And he watched and saw as people were were being bought and sold, things were being bought and sold like it was a common marketplace. And Jesus became angry. And he said, is it not written that my house should be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers? And then he overturns the money changers table and he drove out the merchant and he infuriated the religious leaders who were there who were probably making a profit off this marketplace that was his Monday talking about a good start for a week right and we learn by scripture that each day of that week Jesus would return to the temple and he would teach and push his religious reforms and challenge those same religious leaders over and over again. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, he said, you hypocrites, for you all are like whitewashed tombs. The outside look beautiful, but inside they are full of bones and filth. And he chastised them for their spiritual pride, for their hard hearts, for their religious rules who served only to alienate the people. And he told the people, in fact, do what the religious leaders tell you to do, but do not do as they do. And every day he challenged them and charged them, which caused them to be angry and become more angry with Jesus. And religious leaders purposed in their heart that they were going to kill Jesus. And the tension grew day by day. And Jesus knew that they were plotting. So that noon on Thursday, he sent John and Peter and told them to go into town to prepare, prepare for the Passover meal. He told them to go find a man carrying a jug of water. Now, this would have been not common uncommon at that time, but they followed him. They followed him to the home where he served and asked the owner of the house, where's the guest room so that we may celebrate the Passover? 
Now, this would have, have, have been a, a wealthy man with enough space and room to have a guest room of that size. Now, more than likely, he was a supporter or follower of Jesus. And it is thought and tradition that this room was called the upper room, the place where when Jesus was crucified, the disciples were found hiding. It is also this upper room where 120 disciples would gather to find themselves filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. He sent them out that Thursday at noon. And at 3 p.m., the disciples Peter and John would have taken a lamb to the temple for sacrifice. Now, this is what was normally, this is what the way it was done. They would take their lamb to the temple, to the priest. And the priest will, would have slit the throat of the lamb and would collect the blood and sprinkle the blood at the altar. Now, I can honestly say that I'm truly grateful that that is not part of my job description today. <laughs> Talking about a career change. But after they would sprinkle the blood, another priest would butcher the lamb that had been sacrificed, and then they would collect the lamb and take it back to the place in which they were celebrating and preparing for the Passover meal. And about 7 o'clock, Jesus and, his, and the other disciples would join Peter and John in that upper room for that meal. Now, most of us, when we think of the, the Last Supper, you think of Leonardo da Vinci's printing of the Last Supper where Jesus is sitting in the middle of the table and his disciples are around him and they're engaged in insightful conversation. It makes a good painting, but it's not historically correct. For we learned during the season of Lent that traditionally they would have been in a triclinium, which we set up our fellowship hall on Monday Thursday is where the tables were set up in a U-shape, the three-sided table set up in a U-shape. And when, the, so the people could go into the middle, the people who were serving the people that were eating could freely go into the middle to set down the plates and, or set down the food. Now also, the people who were eating would lay on their side, on their left side, and they would eat with their right hand. Now, I really thought about demonstrating that, but I realized the amount of time that it was going to take me to actually get back up off the floor. <laughs> just, let's just say, thank God for high tables and, and chairs. But the host of the meal would not be sitting in the middle of the table. He would actually be sitting on the, or he would be sitting on the left side of the table on the second seat, leaving one to his left, left, a seat to his left and a seat to his right, which were called the seats of honor. Now, if you remember, the mother of James and John asked Jesus 
uh, to allow her sons to sit at his left and his right in the kingdom of heaven. That's because they were the seats of honor. But we know that at some point, Peter yelled out or spoke out to John and asked him to repeat something that Jesus had said. And we know that, Pete, that, um, we know that John leaned over to Jesus' breast and asked a question. This lets us know that John was in on the right side of Jesus. That he was in that seat of honor, just sitting on the right side. But if you go up a couple of verses, you know that Jesus said that the one who betrayed me will be dipping from the bread with me now. The only other person that this could have been was a person sitting on the left side of him in the seat of honor. The person sharing that holy meal which was Judas. Now, this helps us imagine this meal, gives us a very different look of how they celebrated of the intimacy of the Passover meal. But what puzzles me, what strikes me most about it is Jesus was going into this meal, this Passover meal, in which they were celebrating the story of God, one who freed them from slavery of Egypt and brought them to the promised land, Jesus knew this was his last meal with his disciples. Jesus also knew that around the table, right across from him, was Peter, one of his closest disciples, one of his friends. And just a few hours from there, would deny Jesus three times. And he knew that the other disciples that were sitting around the table would desert him, nowhere to be found. But what's profound, what's mind-blowing, is sitting on his left side. Jesus knew that an hour or so later that he was going to be betrayed and sold out by Judas. And he was sitting in the seat of honor. Now this tells me everything I need to know about our God. And everything that you and I need to know about why we can even sit here and worship God through Jesus Christ. Because none of us are holy enough. None of us have earned it None of us are worthy enough, but yet we still come because of God's grace. We deny him with our lifestyles. We betray him with our lifestyles. We desert him and not live up to what God has called us to be. We succumb to selfishness and lying and greed and lust and all the things as Paul said those weights and sin that trips us up from keeping us from running the race of life yet we still have a seat of honor Jesus still looks around the table at those who are following him and takes bread 
and give thanks. And takes the cup and gives thanks. And asks us to do this in remembrance of me. You see, at this table, grace is still offered. And not just grace, but new life. We become new people. We gain a new heart. Now, this gives us a new meaning of what the Passover meal meant. You see, the Passover meal happened once a year. It was the Jewish people's time to really tell their story, the most important story of their lives. And they had to get this story right. It was a story of God who saved them. A God who already saved them, a God who had made them God's people. Well, this is our story. A story of Jesus. Though he was in the form of God, as Philippians 2 tells us, did not regard as equality with God, as something to be exploited, but emptied himself taking form of a slave and being found in human form, humbled himself and became obedient to God, even unto death on the cross. This is our big story, a story to remember. Do this in remembrance of me. A story to live out that we have a God that saved us in Jesus Christ, a God who already saves us, who is saving us now and will continue to save us forevermore. Jesus knew that he would be denied. He knew that he would be betrayed. He knew that he would be deserted. Yet, he shares this holy meal And the disciples, after the resurrection, they broke bread and shared a cup with each other. And they remembered. And not just having a memory of Jesus, but they truly believe that Jesus was with them. That as they broke bread, that it was Jesus who was still breaking the bread. And Jesus, who is still passing the cup. And as Jesus still saves, come all. No matter of, doesn't matter your economical background, come all. The poor, come all. The rich, come all. The educated, come all. The uneducated, come all. The sinner, come all. The saint, come all. Child or adult, come. No one gets left behind. No one is denied. We simply need to come to his table with open hands and an open heart and a thirst to be the people that God has called us to be. 
In the name of the Father, and the Son, and His Holy Spirit. Amen.